Welcome to Tunes and Tumblers by Atwood Magazine. Listening to music is more than an auditory experience. Tunes and Tumblers explores the way our senses mingle by pairing new and classic albums with cocktail and or mocktail recipes. We invite you to bring out your inner mixologist as we approach the music we love from a unique, immersive, and thoroughly delicious perspective. So put up your feet and enjoy a cold one on us. I'm your host, Anthony, and Pedro is still missing. We sent out a search party to the abandoned Coachella grounds, but all they were able to find were some rundown art installations, 10 barrels of glitter, and the band 100 Gex um, have apparently started living off the land. Uh, We're hoping Drew intercepted another transmission from our wayward mixologist, but he hasn't said anything in his typical Drew way. Please stay tuned for updates responsibly. Of course, we all know that drinking alone is a sad, sad business, so I found someone to fill the Pedro-sized hole in my heart, although he doesn't quite fit, and he is... Ryan, your music connoisseur. And our guests today are two members of a three-piece indie rock band hailing from Kansas City, Missouri. They got their start playing in their high school talent show and open mic nights in their hometown and quickly blew up thanks to their single, Hands Down, which led to a signing with Harvest Records. And did I mention they were still in high school when that happened? They made their debut on Harvest with their EP, Meeting People Is Easy, and first full-length album, This Is It and went on to selling out shows in Chicago, Austin, New York, Los Angeles, and Minneapolis. They've toured with the likes of Bombay Bicycle Club, Tennis, Hippocampus, and Rainbow Kitten Surprise, as well as taking the stage at Lollapalooza and South by Southwest. Today, they've joined us to talk all about their latest album, Dandelion, released last year to raves from Flaunt and our personal favorite, Atwood Magazine. Tunes and Tumblers fam, please welcome Addie Sartino and Pierce Turcotte to the pod. That was a very central <laughs> intro. I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's almost like we do this for a living, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So where are y'all zooming in from today? I think we're both home in Kansas City. Yeah, we're probably like 10 miles apart from each other. But yeah, we're both at home. I say I think as if we weren't together last night. <laughs> <laughs> we are both home in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. And after two whole years, um, Ryan and I are still locked down in the suburban hell of Sierra Madre, but hopefully not for much longer. (laughs) But that's assuming we find the third member of our team. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Yeah, there are no rules in the Midwest, so we're we're free to roam around as much as we want right now. (laughs) Technically, we are, too. But I've gone this long without catching any of the three covids. So, like, I don't want to break that. But despite Pedro's absence, we still have a show to do. What has everyone been listening to lately? I have Memories by Conan Gray on repeat. I I can't stop listening. It's his latest single. And I'm on my pop wave right now. And and he's the center of it. Yeah. Eddie's been bragging about her. Was uh, listening to Charlie XTX, her hyper pop. Oh, yeah. Hot Girl Summer. Hot Girl Summer. I think for me, 
we're starting getting, starting to get into the phase of sharing inspiration for potential new music ideas and just what uh, we're listening in general. And I love listening to more music that's more closely related to kind of what we played, almost to sort of study what is what is contemporary indie pop music sound like right now. But then I also go through, uh, I don't want to listen to any of that. So right now, what uh, a lot of what I've been listening to is uh, I'll look through random playlists, uh, particularly French pop and 80s Japanese city pop playlists. Mm, yeah. Pedro loves that stuff. Does he really? I, I'll have to reach out to Pedro if you guys ever find him. But uh, that's <laughs> we're, we're doing our best. <laughs> Truly, we are. <laughs> um, and so much of that stuff has been kind of lost i feel like and has been reissued so much recently like it's such a great time there's so much great stuff to be found in the city pop genre oh yeah i mean there's not really a consolidated playlist or area to find it but if you scour spotify or i mean honestly youtube is still great for some of those more obscure um playlists or songs um i that's exclusively where i used to find music uh was on youtube when i was in like middle school and high school and refused to given to any sort of uh, uh, streaming service. So it's, uh, it yeah. feels like home for me. Is there a shared playlist for the band for inspirations when you're in an album album recording stages? We just started it, yeah. Pierce added to it first, and I was like, this is a lot of French pop. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. I try not to do just that. I try to vary it with some, some things I know Addy would like. You have a balance. I'm into yeah. it. Thanks. <laughs> Well, let's see. I haven't, I haven't been getting into much French pop lately, actually, but it sounds like I need to. Um, there's a new album from the band Salt, um, S-A-U-L-T, mm. kind of this mysterious group that had this really cool album from a couple years back that was sort of R&B, minimalist funk. I really like that one, and this was a complete 180. I mean, it makes sense, but it's contemporary classical and choral music that's like really spiritual, kind of Alice Coltrane-esque. There's a lot of tension, triumph, release, and it's such a bold move to follow up that album with this. I'm looking and... at it right now, and the, all their album covers are really interesting. They're all really minimalistic and just mm -hmm. one symbol. Um, do you have a favorite uh, album or project by them? I can't. I haven't listened to this one enough to be able to declare it my favorite, but the last one I'd say was probably my favorite thing um, they've done so far the uh the one with masterpiece um just i think it was just called untitled rise <laughs> and uh but yeah it's the work of the producer um oh geez i'm trying to think of his name but yuda uh inflow inflow is the producer and they've done work with like little sims and um various other folks so you've undoubtedly heard heard their stuff before so mm. that's where my head's at i had never heard of salt before until about like two three months ago um I, I middle eight was the one who turned me on to that uh one of my favorite youtube channels and he is really mm. good at um going through the pop canon and more obscure stuff and i was just like this is incredible um yeah big recommendation what i've been listening to is the latest album by coin uncanny valley it's their fourth album um plus they had one quarantine mixtape and I think it's mostly the same as their previous stuff, but they took a big risk with their lead single Chapstick, which I love. Uh, it reminds me so much of a distorted Keith Richards riff. And my joke is always, they were like, the Rolling Stones haven't released anything in a while and they wrote Chapstick. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, and and I thought it was fascinating because I was reading reviews about it, and there was this one by Rachel Brodsky and Stereo Gum that absolutely lambasted not just the album but Coin, calling them the last gasp of 2010s alt pop. And first of all, my my first reaction was, I wonder which member of Coin hurt her, because it was just. It was horrific. And second of all, it doesn't really ring true to me because right now they're bit kind of bigger than ever. They're playing huge festivals like Governor's Ball, Bonnaroo, Life is Beautiful. And yeah, they're not doing anything revolutionary, but they make fun, danceable pop music, which I think is really valuable. You know, we need some escapism. We need some fun. Listeners, I would recommend as a starting point their album Dreamland, which is the one that came before this. It's a great entry point. I think it's probably the most richly conceived of their work and has a lot of variety it's what really hooked me on them before getting into this one so dreamland then uncanny valley that's my recommendation i love that record that their new record um i think i met you in a dream has been on repeat for me i think that take of rachel's is it's very uh reminiscent <laughs> of a take i would have at 15 being into indie music of like <laughs> what is this but it's like no you're so right escapism is important and pop music is important and being able to have fun is important and also pop music is incredibly difficult to write you're essentially trying to appeal to the masses versus appealing to a somewhat smaller group and that's really difficult and i think hmm. being able to recognize that and appreciate that is important i also just think that coin is awesome and that they're really nice talented guys so i'm i'm team coin mm -hmm. team coin hashtag team coin <laughs> hashtag team coin no i think that's a that could be a tough predicament as a songwriter especially when you're trying to decide whether if that is the pop is the direction you want to go or if you really want to try to create something revolutionary um i think there's both validity in both pop music is can be really hard to write i mean you could write cheesy pop music but to actually make it thoroughly pop um like having such a huge draw with that is really difficult and um i i applaud artists who can do that in a way that's really genuine to them uh, because i feel like at the end of the day a lot of what songwriting is is kind of having fun i think at a certain point you can create something really special and unique but i don't know for me, how much that drives my songwriting and how much that creates the sustainability of being a um, a, a part of a, a band. It's funny too, mm. like talking about the word revolutionary, it's like, why did we decide that pop music can't be revolutionary? It, it very much is. I mean, most of the songs that withstand the test of time are pop songs. Mm -hmm. I completely agree on that. Anyway, I got I got real salty when I read that review. <laughs> I'm a salty review reader as well, whether it's like about me or about somebody else. I just I respect journalism so much. But every once in a while, you're like, this just sounds so bitter. Like, why are you mm -hmm. so bitter? I think that's why we came to Atwood Magazine, because the writing from the entire team is just so earnest. And I think that I was a really cynical writer before I came to Atwood. And I think it's just opened me up like I have a a greater appreciation not just for more types of music but of life in general it's easy to just get so jaded when you're looking at everything through cynical eyes i think absolutely mm. and I, I think musicians do that whether it's for themselves or for their peers as well and then you kind of reach a point of of realizing there's so much more good to focus on than the negative 
I mean, look, I love talking crap. It's very entertaining. It's very fun, but it's not (laughs) fulfilling long term. It's much more fun to bond with others about things you love than things you hate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. It's well said. And as a quick reminder, listeners, every song that we mention on the show goes directly onto the accompanying playlist down in that episode description. And if you want to hear more of what we've had on repeat, uh, we have a much bigger and more eclectic sister playlist for this segment segment called YBLT. It's on Spotify. We also take submissions for that one. So hit us up on our socials and send us your own work or your obsessions and we'll feature it. There's actually a greeting committee song on there. So go go and check it out. Uh, yeah, Spotify, link in bio, all the things. But we need to open the bar. Ryan, do you think that we can run this bar without Pedro here? actually don't but we're gonna try (laughs) yeah he has a weird way of organizing the alcohol and limes and i'm just i'm afraid to touch anything Uh, i'm hoping we'll be able to find everything um but yeah addy and pierce did you bring anything to show our bouncer today yeah my entry is a handheld dyson v8 vacuum (laughs) i love it wow because i was using it there you go. That's a nice click right there. Before oh, I got in click. here. So that's, that's my ID. I didn't know. I've never seen a Dyson handheld. Sorry. <laughs> that was, that's, it's very exciting. I, I love cleaning. <laughs> when you see the Dyson dryer, the hand dryers, they show all the products on it. And I don't remember there being a hand seeing the hand dryer on it. So this is huge for me. And for the bar. The bar is a disaster. <laughs> here to clean up Pedro's mess he left behind. <laughs> My idea to get into the bar is my stuffed animal peef. Oh my god! Uh, for the for the listeners, it is a multicolored sort of. Uh, it's not really a unique bear. I'm pretty sure they were mass produced, but just kind of like a patchwork sort of teddy bear. Um, and wait, I'll bring it. Ah! There it goes. I love it. Yeah, uh, childhood uh, <laughs> stuffed animal. It's the only one I still kind of keep around. Uh, it's a nice little decoration right by uh, my computer in my bedroom. And um, I, I hope the bouncer lets me in with that. I feel like that <laughs> drastically uh, underages me. So, Well, it's a good thing that our, our bouncer is a big fan of satisfying clicks and squeaks. Brian, what are we listening to today? Well, we're going to hijack the jukebox on the spar to only play Dandelion, the new album from the Greeting Committee, out now on Harvest Records. Always with the bangers, Ryan. This, Always. you know, yes, this is an album that I had to sit with for a while. And that's because as a bit of a self-proclaimed emo boy, I'm just, I'm a sucker for music that dredges up my emotions. And man, Dandelion plucks at the heartstrings like a dang banjo. <laughs> it's fun. It's rhythmic. <laughs> but every few bars, you'll get a line like, you're so perfect until I need you. And I'm afraid I'll disappear. But it's not like anyone knew I was here. And I'm like, ah, oh my God. (laughs) Every song in this set is a flashpoint for working through your feelings and insecurities through song. But 
you know, despite all that, it never feels isolating. This is music that demands to be played in a room with hundreds of other people shouting along. And just for that minute, you don't feel alone anymore. You'll have to excuse me. I just miss Pedro so much. I wish he was here. <laughs> uh, speaking of, um, I, wait, I think that I have something. Uh, the, the, the little flasher on the message is beeping. Um, I think Pedro might have, have gotten through to us. Hold, please. Uh... Hello, greeting committee. My name is Pedro. I'm your mixologist. I'm sorry I couldn't be there. I'm still trying to make my way back from Coachella. Um, I've made it as far as Palm Springs right now, so I'm here by the pool, sipping a delicious cocktail in your honor. Um, and let me break it down for you. So this album's got some heavy themes going on, which is sort of like a contrast to the idea I get when I hear, you know, the word dandelion. So it was just really, it was interesting to see how it was sort of packaged and what the contents of it actually were. And there's there's a few things I use to sort of inspire this cocktail. Um, first of all, you guys are from Kansas City. Um, and, and my favorite track on the album was Make Out. And there's that line, you're not that girl I miss in Kansas City. So I kind of wanted to to use that as as a starting point for some inspiration and there's actually a cocktail called i think it's called a horse feather um that's famous in kansas city and i i kind of started with that as like a, a base um it's similar to like a, a mule in that it's got you know the ginger beer and the bitters um but i kind of wanted to play with the ingredients a little bit and make it a little more catered to to this album um so there's also another line that helped inspire this from float away called stale rye once uh an apple's eye so i kind of want to so i mean those are just perfect inspiration for flavors i want to use in here so we're starting with rye whiskey um and as far as the apple's eye i instead of using bitters in this drink um i kind of wanted to i took some inspiration from a previous episode we did where we did a shot uh, with apple cider vinegar and ginger beer and I was really surprised at how those flavors worked together So instead of using bitters with this I'm going ahead and putting a little bit of apple cider vinegar in it to just sort of bring things down a little bit and like uh, Just sort of ground the drink a little more the way. It's not as uh, bright and effervescent um, So there's rye whiskey. There's uh, the apple cider vinegar ginger beer um, obviously I had to try and figure out how to work in the name dandelion into this So I found some dandelion jelly that I'm throwing in there and just giving it this nice yellow color And you know this this delicious sweetness and I think it's like sort of it, I've never heard of anyone using it in a cocktail I'm sure it's out there, but I kind of wanted to do something a little different here um, And this just sort of balancing that out with some lemon juice giving it that acidity and yeah So this drink is called a Kansas City girl and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the episode. Sorry I couldn't be there, but um, pretty soon. I think I think I should be making my way back to L.A. pretty soon. So, Anthony, Ryan, I'll see you guys soon. And greeting committee, thanks so much for being on this episode. And cheers, everybody. Wow. He's at the pool? He didn't make it, he didn't make it very far. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we'll see him soon, actually, based on that message. Cheers so, for that. Cheers. cheers. We'll have wow. to post a, we're going to post a picture of all that on, um, on our socials when the episode comes out. So stay tuned for that. We'll all get to see it in person. Yeah. I'd love to try that drink. That sounds really good. I, I literally had to look up dandelion jelly. I think in my head I was thinking like jello. I'm like, what, how does that <laughs> fit in? But no, it looks just like honey. I'm sure it probably tastes something similar, but I like the, 
the addition of the apple cider vinegar. Um, yeah, no, that sounds like a very classic Kansas City drink. We're all about kind of those those uh, dark alcohols, and um, there's some great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas City is uh, very much the home of pre Depression era kind of a uh, what's that word? I'm twenties Pendergast. Prohibition? Spe- speakeasies. Prohibition. Prohibition. <laughs> That's the word I'm thinking. Yeah, of. speakeasies pro- too. Um, there's a bar uh, a lot of us uh, in the group uh, would go to called Tom Sound, which is an homage to Tom Pendergast, who basically was the who basically ran Kansas City uh, from the mafia uh, and kind of bypassed any sort of like political um, mm. leadership. So uh, that's where, um, yeah, a lot of a uh, Prohibition era inspiration uh, in Kansas City, and I'm glad he brought that up in the drink. Yeah, he's a freaking genius honestly is there a is there a place with sword in the title in kansas city i was trying to remember it like the swordfish toms swordfish toms yeah someone i remember went there and they were like yeah you gotta you gotta go by swordfish toms oh yeah it's (laughs) i've been there once it's a cool little speakeasy (laughs) they're like yeah you gotta go by yeah (laughs) i don't know i definitely i don't know how popular these are anymore but it's one of those places where you walk in this obscure alley down a flight of stairs and there's a, a usually like a red or green light outside that uh, green light means you can um, walk in and they're open. Red light means to knock and they'll, someone will get you when mm-hmm. there's a free space, but it's yeah, just a super tiny, cozy, dark bar. Um, yeah. Great place to be in Kansas city. It's funny you say like, you don't know how popular it is anymore. Cause I feel like those really had a, had their heyday in like maybe 2011 2012 i feel like those speakeasy type bars were big but in new york they're apparently kind of making a comeback the exclusive you say oh yeah i was um 13 in 2011 <laughs> which would have made you 14 years you're just like oh yeah i remember back in 2012 when i was 14 I still follow trends <laughs> Pierce knows his, he knows that. his history he knows the he history. does he does even if that. he couldn't take part in it mm-hmm. that's funny <laughs> But honestly, Swordfish Tom sounds like the kind of place that would have let you in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hot, if you're probably not hot, a lot. You can reach the bar. <laughs> yeah, probably not a lot of 14-year-olds going to fancy bars, so they're like, well, you made it, so might as well let you in. <laughs> well, I now know a lot more about Kansas City and why we need to visit. Um, let's, stop at, uh, let, let's stop at the pool on the way over there in Palm Springs. I bet you anything he's hanging out with uh, Mating Rituals' um, parents' place. Oh damn! Yeah, yeah. We we interviewed a band named Mating Ritual, and they were in Palm Springs in the pool while they zoomed in with us at their parents' place. That's classy. It was amazing. It was, I, it was very wet. Yeah, I like Palm Springs. Very wet interview. Yeah, yep. it, like the sounds of <laughs> just water <laughs> running somehow. Like there was a fountain <laughs> nearby. Lots of bathroom breaks. Yeah, we. Uh toured uh kind of near palm springs a few years ago and we made a deliberate stop um and palm springs got an airbnb to do some writing there and i think the first night we got there we stayed at a motel and it was a really cool motel but i remember me and probably two of the other guys just sat in the hot tub there and it's a very classy almost like 50s sort of motel um a lot of very vibrant colors, but yeah, just sitting in the... Oh, the saguaro. You stayed at the saguaro. Possibly. 
it's like mid-century, but it has like so many colors, right? Ooh, uh, you, you're probably right. It was a very yeah. cool spot. I mean, Palm Springs in general seems very uh, mid-century. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, just to keep the conversation mm. going. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, pull up the email, please, and let's get the receipt. I went on like a mid-century architecture tour that started at the Saguaro and it was like very sketchy. It was just like some guy pulled up in a minivan and jumped out with like his stack of papers and he's like, come on guys, let's go. And I'm like, are you sure this is the right, this is, yeah, this is what we paid $50 a head for. Those are the best tours. Yep. Always the guy you want to follow. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, I don't think it was a Saguaro. We didn't stay at a place nearly as nice, but we're going there next. <laughs> uh, same, same vibe. <laughs> This is mm -hmm. just like a one level uh, motel that just, uh, it seemed like they painted over all the. They never finished all the the colors were the layers of paint over the years that were <laughs> they didn't quite finish covering over. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, I would actually like to talk about the album. Uh, cheers, everyone. Cheers. 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 I'm going to stop in Kansas City when I'm take my annual trip to Jimmy's Egg in Oklahoma. I'm putting that on my list of places to go then. <laughs> What's special about Jimmy's egg? Not, not a lot. Basically, this, <laughs> this, mug, this mug that I got from it. Um, oh, my I, God. I, it's a happy little egg. It's, uh, they have a number of these, I think. It's probably like a, a chain, I think, around that area. But I go to Oklahoma often, and um, I'm a fan. So, But I haven't spent enough time in Kansas City. Um, and... Yeah, and that mug continues that that kind of like creepy trend of like a food dressed up like a chef to ostensibly cook others of its kind. That's right, cannibalistic, yep. cannibalistic characters. Yeah. Yes, like um, like the uh, the happy chef pigs that uh, out in front of all of the barbecue joints. I'm like, that's unsettling. <laughs> I'm so glad you're talking about it. Oh yeah, let's. <laughs> Let's talk about the album. No one's uh, talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So let's let's back up a little bit because y'all <clears throat> signed with a record label when you were very young. And how long have you been at this now? Like seven going on eight years. And you're still very young. I mean, compared to us. We're both 24 right this second. <laughs> oh, oh, children. <laughs> but yes, um, <laughs> what... I mean, but since then, you've had two albums, two EPs under your belt, and it, it seems like you're just in, like, the depths of your career at this point, despite the fact that, you know, compared to a lot of other bands with your output who are, like, kind of going on in years, what's it been like to get started as a band so early? I think there's a weird, like, misconception because we're 24, but we're technically considered an old band because we've been around for seven or eight years which is really contradictory in the way we view the world and in the way that we view ourselves and, and where we're at in life versus where we're at in our careers. So it's bizarre and there's a lot of growing up involved in that. I think that our catalog is very much reminiscent of the age we're at when we were writing it um, and having that progress on display for everybody to listen to can be intimidating because people attach themselves to songs that I no longer feel attached to myself because they're so old. That doesn't make me upset in any way. I think it's really cool and it makes me feel very seen and validated and heard. But it is interesting when it comes on and people are like, 
how do you feel about this song? And I'm like, I feel like that's a 15 year old girl that I don't really know anymore singing in it. So it's cool, but it's bizarre at the same time. Yeah, I still, I feel like I got that question um, a couple months ago and I feel like I'm still trying to process it because I think first of all, the questions went from, so what's it like being such a young band? And then I feel like there was a quick switch to now it's, what's it like being a band for eight years? Um, and I feel like there's been a lot of conversations about just, I don't know, how do you, how do we look at ourselves and how do you look at not only us as a business, but interpersonally with like our relationships when you start at such a young age, when I think you all are in it for really like selfless reasons of just like, I really want to create fun music with uh, these people. I love being around. Um, and then when you're in it for eight years, it, I think there's still a part of it that is that, but I think you have to consider so much more now that I think we are like very much thoroughly adults now and look at our career. And uh, we have, we can look at it from like a higher perspective, like being able to look back at what it was like. And I think I'm still trying to process a lot of it. It's, um, it's definitely, um, I wish I had like more uh, wisdom and hindsight of like, what music that we created and how I relate to it, how other people relate to it. It's just a, I think it's just a very interesting journey. Um, something that I'm still trying to um, figure out how I connect to all of it. Well, it's such the nature of the, the timelines with album cycles such are so psychologically fucked up in a lot of ways. Cause like you said, like you were, pro you were doing this album in the past, even something you just recorded and are like doing interviews about feels can feel so distant. And meanwhile, you're trying to, you're making the playlist for a new album and processing new ideas. And then you, you go and then talk about this thing. <laughs> it's wild. I, I can only imagine the. Yeah. Dandelion came out at the end of September. So it's not even what it's like seven months old, but that's, that's like, Oh, snap, snap, get on with it. Like move on. Even though it's only existed in the world for less than a year. It, it's very bizarre for sure. Yeah, and even probably the idea, the concept of a band name, too. When somebody asks you about a band name that you formed eight years ago, like thinking of that name always seemed like, as someone who was in bands, I remember thinking that would be such a hard idea to hold on to the concept of a name because it shifts so much in what, how you relate to it over the years. So, um, yeah, anyway, all that to say, I, I get it. It's odd. It's uh... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it, it is kind of really fun being able to connect with certain periods of my own life to album cycles or ep cycles um with our music but obviously with other people's music too it's like oh i listened to so-and-so band when i was in middle school uh but it's kind of funny being able to do that for our own music thinking of like being able to like pinpoint certain periods of my life like oh yeah that was the year that we went on tour with hippocampus or oh that was the year we put out that album and be able to I don't know, create certain errors in my own life that I can kind of look back on and connect to like, oh, that was the This Is It album. What was that like during that period of time? So I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> and it's interesting when you do that by referencing certain other acts, I guess. I guess there's a lot. Maybe you could confirm this. The line, like I always think of that line, Going Julian. And I, I thought of the strokes immediately. But that also is a way where it grounds it at a certain time where you were like, oh, that was clearly... I mean, maybe the Strokes are a band that will always have a big effect 
but it always um, have a big effect on me. But that line specifically, going all Julian, getting kind of cruel with it, in the way of like, I think Julian Casablancas is a bit apathetic in his delivery, in vocals and lyrics, and I love that so much. And there's this like persona that lives inside of me that's very like Julian Casablancas, Matt Healy. Like I always say, I'm getting back in my Matt Healy era, and what I mean by that is just like I quite literally don't give a fuck about anything. Even though those are two people that clearly give a fuck about a lot, considering right. they're lyricists and musicians, you can't you can't possibly be that apathetic if you're creating so much um, and so much beautiful work. But that's that's kind of how I feel when I think of Julian and Matt Healy. It's so true with with Julian. With the it comes through in his interviews, certainly like the early ones where he's like fucked up playing golden tea at a bar and trying to say how much he cares, but also trying not to care at the same time too. Like it's really fascinating to read those. And then like I always think of Between Love and Hate from Room on Fire as such a great has those moments of coldness that you're talking about. So there's that level of like you talking about those interviews of talking about how much you care, but putting on a different physical appearance to it there's so much disassociating that has to happen as a musician, I think. And mm. I feel that way on such a small scale of what the greeting committee is. So I can't imagine what it feels like to be one of, if not the biggest indie rock band in the world. That's got to be so hard to wrap your head around. It's like, you want to talk about how much you care, but you don't want to put yourself on that soapbox at the same time because you almost feel guilty about it. It's a very weird juxtaposition to be in. And especially at that time when they when you only have such a small body of workout too, and for them it's like everyone was hailing them as the return of rock when they were just kind of <laughs> trying to make the best album they could, and being hailed as like the next you know modern lovers or television or whatever it was whatever people were enemy was saying. But, and it's yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting to look back on that because I remember reading just this treatise in I think it was Vulture where it was like the rise and fall of the strokes and this was like back in 2017 <laughs> so we're, we're like we're, we're pre the, the latest album that came out that won them a Grammy and now like the adults are talking is their most streamed song ever and it's like they didn't really go away I think it was just like like you were saying the, the pressure to be like the biggest band in the world like being hailed as the biggest band in the world so early right Absolutely. I mean, and that's so funny too, the, the titles that come out, the rise and fall. It's like, <laughs> how, about, how about just like ebbing and flowing like every other mm -hmm. possibility of growth in life? It, it's so, it's so black and white all the time. Mm -hmm. As if nothing <laughs> changes and everything ends. Like that, that's not true. Everything just keeps moving. Hey, the end has no end in the words of Julian. That's what that's what mm, it is. Mm, 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 mm. That's the music journalist brain, though, of like or like someone working in the industry. I feel like a little bit, too, of like, oh, yeah, what happened to them when they've been creating this whole time? <laughs> oh, yeah. What happened to them? You know, you hear that a lot with people are like and it's like just because you're on to the next thing doesn't mean fans or people have necessarily moved on. And it's easy to get trapped into that carousel. Well, everything is so catastrophic everything all the time. I mean, I feel that way. Like we don't, we're trying really hard as, as individuals to focus on celebrating our wins more because I don't yeah. know if we ever let ourselves have that. It's so quick. We can play the most fun hometown show and have 2000 people show up. And the next day 
we're legitimately having a conversation about what we're doing next. Like it's so black and white, I guess back, back to that Mm -hmm. because people do move so fast and that's okay. But yeah, it doesn't mean that somebody just like completely vanished. I think it's very human to anticipate too what you're talking about, but also we can get so caught up in like what's been and what's coming next that we forget that the only thing that there really is, is this, this is it, right? We are we are only right here and we forget to just enjoy what is happening with us and and enjoy the album cycle that we're in and the successes that you're having. I wish that everyone could see this Zoom right now because the nods that Pierce is giving Anthony are just cracking me up. Like Pierce is like, yeah, I saw that. Like, oh, I heard that. <laughs> we just need Drew to be narrating all of the uh, all of the facial expressions. Drew. Please throw that in. Just like pause to be like, and here is where Pierce started pointing at the screen. The director, the director's commentary of this interview. <laughs> Two versions. <laughs> be cool but if I wa- we could do David. L- okay, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna yeah, try control. to reel us back and actually talk about Dandelion. Do it, please. Uh, instead of instead of Julian Casablancas, as much as I'd like to keep talking about him forever, uh, let's start with the name. I I was thinking about Dandelions and about their their kind of transformation because there are two points of their life cycle, one where they're a flower and one where we recognize them as the ball of seeds and that kind of transition. But what were you thinking about when you decided to call the album Dandelion? So I'm normally not a person who wants to use title tracks for my own bodies of work, but the song Dandelion just fits so well with the meaning of the record. And I think the biggest moment of realizing that for me was thinking about how dandelions are actually weeds and whoever you're talking to you're gonna get either no that's not a flower that's a weed or someone's just going to optimistically move on and recognize it as a flower like you're getting two perspectives and it's it's the pessimistic or the optimistic and I think that I was battling going back and forth so much in my time of grief because that's really the biggest theme of the record is the phases of grief And so I just really resonated with a dandelion, depending on what mood I was in that day. I was either looking at myself like an ugly weed or looking at myself like a beautiful flower. And you didn't know what you were going to get. Oh, God, that's so true. That is that that is something people say. God, I'm like thinking about all these like gotcha moments with annoying people. It's a weed. It's actually a weed. It's like, yeah, Uh, thanks. (laughs) Well, Addy, I know. It wasn't just sort of like coincidence, like, oh, there's this beautiful connection with dandelions and sort of the narrative of this album. But uh, I feel like that all kind of came together with that one lyric that you got from the, the, I don't know if it was a friend or fan's tattoo that kind of sent, I feel like that sort of set in motion the, uh, the, the thinking of where the title of the album would go. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. That quote is in the song dandelion but um and and that quote is like a tickety talk everything stoppered stop stopped and when i was going through my grieving process because dandelion is not only a breakup record but it is definitely a oh shit i'm in my early 20s everything that i thought i would be doing i'm not quite doing or at least not the way i want to and so i just i mean i looked like i got the wind knocked out of me for like an entire year Um, and a long-term fan of ours 
had recognized that before I had even made any sort of announcement about the changes in my life and brought me this, uh, well, it was on her arm, actually. She, she wrote it on her arm to share with me from her own grieving process. So that's in the song. Wow. Um, and that's definitely a very prominent quote in my life. But I, I'm glad you brought it up, Pierce, because I don't think it gets a ton of attention when I'm talking about it elsewhere, and it really should. Wow, mm. that's a really special moment uh, between you and a fan. <laughs> that kind of plays into a question I wanted to save for the end of the interview, but let's get into it now. And that's, I love this quote of yours, um, Addie, where you said the goal collectively about greeting committee is to make people feel less alone through your music and to have them dance while they cry. And it's kind of what I was feeling when I was listening to this record. It's like, I'm not alone in feeling this way. It's like you're having this experience with more than just yourself. So my question for everybody is, what is a song or listening experience that you've had that made you feel less alone? I'll, I don't know where I was listening. I think it actually might've been from the YouTube video I was talking about before I was, uh, <laughs> uh, before this podcast. I was uh, watching an interview from one of the actors from uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I think I was just talking about, I won't give any spoilers, but that particular actor is just like his upbringing back into acting after like 20 years away from it and just sort of like what makes him feel passionate about it. And there, there's, there are moments in like when I consume music where I'm like, this is a really like beautiful moment, but I I forget and I always have to remind myself how much I actually really love. Um, I find those beautiful moments in music, not necessarily listening to like the music that I would have playing or like someone's new album that just came out. It really comes from the connection with movies. I love mm. like watching a movie and being able to like attach to the scene or what's going on narratively, but the particular like melodies that are attached to that, I think really make things feel impactful for me and make me like just really love music again. And I feel like those are the things I can't, think of any particular um movie right now um i guess the movie everything everywhere all at once there's some really great um sound design within that that made mm. me like brought up certain emotions but i think just movies in general like uh obviously ones that i like those kind of movies uh, i think those bring up the those kind of emotions for me mm. you were watching perks of being a wallflower not that long ago that movie has such a good soundtrack i think of like mm -hmm. heroes by david bowie playing at the end of it and yeah it's like yeah having that visual in there helps for sure yeah. i think for me it's it's um there are songs i love but getting to attach them to moments like i'll never forget i was lucky enough to see the killers at madison square garden in 2018 wow. i think and i never knew a venue that big could feel so small because i just felt so connected with everybody um, around me, there was this woman all the way from Australia who was like 35. And at that time I was like 20, I think maybe, yeah, I was 20. Um, and just why is this 20 year old from Kansas and this 35 year old from Australia connecting so heavily? And it's, it's music. I guess I have two answers. There's a, there's a line in this, which was sort of an, maybe an unlikely one to call out, but in, um, uh, and make out there's a line where you say uh, you stuck your tongue out from the crowd and then I must be lonely and there was something about that that was like such an odd like this was my interpretation of it 
there was that to me made me just struck me because it made me think of moments especially in the last two years where you have a small where i like maybe had a small connection with somebody passing by and i felt like you were craving connection so much that that small connection meant so much and then when you reflect on how much it meant you realize oh wow shit i'm really lonely (laughs) (laughs) that smile from somebody felt really powerful and like wow there's something tragic about that a little bit (laughs) you're so spot on i love it okay that's that's good to know that's fun that such a personal experience can be transferred into such a worldwide experience. Something that so many people can feel. I, I appreciate that you recognize that. It's kind of interesting from like a, my kind of more outside perspective watching Addie write some of these lyrics for particular Makeout and a newer one we released with Bristol Maroney called Sort of Stranger. I feel like to me, those songs lyrically stick out. From the album, but even songs written before, those have those moments of very have a, a very individual experience. But I feel like they relate on a grander scale, which I don't think yeah. you do typically with your songwriting. So I just thought those were like really special moments. To see, like, oh, she's like stylistically, this feels like a lot different, and kind of seeing how that fits together um, with the song in general is kind of cool to see how you can kind of move back and forth. There's a lot of moments like that on the on the album, a lot of lines like that that really that really struck a chord. Um, I guess aside from the from that though, the another band that it made me think of was uh, was New Order. Um, they have a song called Run that always did that. That was kind of the first song to um, like capture this feeling of melancholia that I had never quite heard anyone do before that felt really relatable. They just have a really special way of doing that that um, I think people try and copy but have never can never really do. And that song was one that did that uh, for me. And um, they also, interestingly, that song, fun fact, well, unfun fact, I, I suppose, was there was a copyright lawsuit by um, John Denver's publisher for that song. They thought, this is too similar to Leaving on a Jet Plane, which blew my mind i was like wow what (laughs) i do not hear that at all but you know some musicologist or someone at the publisher probably heard it and ryan you should have you should have gone last because mine is going to seem so trivial in in comparison uh i was just thinking i used to and i still do like to go to concerts alone i also like to go with friends um it's a it's just a different experience i think and I remember like five, six years ago, I went to see the 1975 at the Shrine. This was right when um, I Like It When You Sleep came out. And I was just there in the crowd and there were these people standing next to me. And right before they went on and started playing, one of them turned to me and was just like, are you going to dance with us? And I said, yes, I would love to. And just for that set, I was brought into this group and it was just amazing. I did I never learned any of their names and I never saw any of them ever again, but it was an amazing experience that I was grateful to have. I love that. I love going to shows by myself and we'll get fans who tweet us saying that they don't want to go alone, which I, I can totally recognize the anxiety that can come with that. But I always try to encourage them because you're not really alone. You're gonna make 
friends. You're going to be welcomed, hopefully. Um, and that's the kind of fan base that I really strive for is one that's very community based. And we've been lucky that greeting committee fans have held up to that for sure. But yeah, I, I love moments like that. That makes me happy. That makes me smile listening to you talk about that. Yeah. I feel like I kind of prefer, especially for artists that I really love, I realize I think I kind of prefer going to the shows by myself. Like recently there's a, a show that came through town and it's a band that I absolutely love. And my girlfriend was like, oh, maybe I kind of want to go. I'm like, no, I'm going by myself. I'm <laughs> you stay home. <laughs> yeah. you stay absolutely home. not. No, I, uh, I feel like, I mean, just being kind of around the industry and everything, I just end up at shows a lot. And I realize, um, I mean, usually I'm just like kind of lukewarm going to the shows. I kind of go it just because I like know some of the people playing. But generally, I think going to shows is just very overstimulating for me, especially being in a social situation on top of being in a very overstimulating environment. And I think being by myself, I'm able to just focus on myself and my own needs rather than everything else going on around me. So I very much relate to the going to concerts by, by yourself thing. And speaking of greeting committee fans, I kind of want to go to the next part of the show where we have a bunch of messages sent to us from greeting committee fans who would like to play a round of hashtag mood. I'm ready. I I think I would. (laughs) Yeah. Let's hit it. Thank you once again, Jacob Jeffries and Jensi McGinty for giving us that amazing Hashtag Mood theme song. What is Hashtag Mood, you ask? It's this game we like to play at the end of every show to flex our playlist building skills. What we are going to do is go over to the Tunes and Tumblers inbox, where we have a bunch of messages from greeting committee fans. Uh, Drew has picked one of them for us to read. Pure and absolute mania. <laughs> <laughs> We are going to do a playlist that captures the feeling of all caps, pure and absolute mania. Oh, God. Okay. I love okay. that. I yeah. love that that's the theme. Are we, are we shouting out songs? Yeah, go for it. Crash by Charlie XCX. Yes. Oh, nice. The band Empath and their album Active Listening, <laughs> Night on Earth. There's a few. I love that band because they punctuate these really intense kind of fuzzy grimy noise pop things with like sounds of nature in between like these really nice interludes but when they explode live it's intense and it does feel like fucking mania um and if you see them live there's like bubbles blowing on stage like i saw them open for um yeah it's it does feel like a little bit of mania um Mm. i don't know if they would describe it that way but yeah, I have a song saved on our um, Addie's and I, Addie's and uh, I's uh, playlist for the album for for songwriting inspiration. Uh, mm. Diamond Eyelids. Yeah, what a good title. Yeah, great title. Um, I was gonna say I think I had to look up the band. I don't, I haven't listened to it in a while, but I remember hearing it. I'm like, this is absolutely insane. Um, but it is 
uh, The Door is Closing by Spirit of the Beehive. Oh. It's just like sonically just like a mess, and I love it. <laughs> sonically a mess. Oh, man. All right, for mine, I'm choosing a song from the Canadian band Mother Mother. I don't know if you... Yeah, I, we're getting nods. We're getting nods in the chat. Um, <laughs> I have been a fan for a long time. I love how chaotic their music sounds and yet just so cohesive. Just the vocal performances are just really like kind of bizarre and punctuated in a weird way that just kind of hooks you. And it's this song is called Life and it's from their latest album, and I'm the 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 whole feeling is that like when you get really down, you just have to pump yourself up. And in their typical like wide, crazy eyed way, it just it really clicks. And I love the bridge where he just I'm going to read you this this bridge because I love it and I love listening to it on repeat. It's just it is uh, spoken word. And he says, sometimes I hate myself with such intensity. I have no choice but to bark back. You are a golden animal. You breathe eternity. You sing the diamond moon blue. You heave the world. You gush the forest. You dream the open fire. You are an extraordinary machine, you sweet, precious dumbass. <laughs> I love that so I, much. I do soft snaps, but I don't want to ruin that. I don't want to. <laughs> You don't want Drew to take it out? <laughs> that sounds like the treatment to like a Dan Deacon music video. <laughs> like the notes of what they want it to look like. Um, that's I love great. That. That's great. Yeah, we, well, um, yeah, I feel like we could do so many more, but. Throw in, throw in a couple more. What are we going to do for this? Do you have any more, Addy? Um, Haunted by, it's either Laura Lez or Laura Lay. Um, it was a song on the latest season of Euphoria and Euphoria just has such a great soundtrack. So I shazammed it yeah, instantly yeah. and it's very chaotic and I love that. That's a great shot. I know the end by Phoebe Bridgers. That one's <laughs> pretty chaotic at the end. She just screams. It's great. And then there's like that claustrophobic, uh, claustrophobic breathing at the end too, where it's like, <gasps> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like made me so uncomfortable when I heard that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think my last contribution was um, uh, a black MIDI live performance. Mm. That was mania. Um, at I went to weekend one of Coachella and they did a set of, uh, I mean, it technically really impressive, but then at one point they brought in these interpretive dancers wearing all red and then launched into this instrumental cover of Can't Stop by the Chili Peppers. Just didn't identify it, just went, into it with all these interpretive dancers and it truly felt like mania like it felt like a um yeah there's no other word really to describe it it was mad it was madness but in a great way my last one is by former guest of the pod luna aura it's off of her new ep it's called chaos and it's exactly what it mm. sounds like she nice. is just heavy distorted guitar and just shouting in this kind of like bubblegum voice but it all like <laughs> comes together really cohesively she loves um kind of like dark camp and just just go check her out all of her stuff is great but the song chaos is chaos and i love it this is a great playlist i know i'm, I'm excited to listen to this <laughs> well listeners do you have a mood of your own leave us a message by calling or texting the tunes and tumblers hotline at 626-604-6477 or drop into our dms on instagram we guarantee that no matter what you're going through, we charge less than your therapist. 
And unfortunately, it's that time. The bar is closing up. We use that Dyson to clean up a little bit. So hopefully when Pedro gets home from Palm Springs, he doesn't think that we completely destroyed the place. Uh, but before we go, do you have any lingering thoughts? Addie Pierce, any plugs that you'd like to give our listeners? We have a deluxe album coming out that we've already started releasing music for. Uh, so Sort of Stranger with our friend Briston Maroney came out and a fun Tune Yards remix of our song How Long. And there's more to come. That's my plug oh, I've yeah. got. Mm-hmm. Other than that, that, I've just had the best time ever drinking at this imaginary bar with y'all. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Who's going to call my Uber home? oh and thank you all yes uber pool for all of us uber pool (laughs) to the palm springs pool you there (laughs) and thank you all for listening to tunes and tumblers tunes and tumblers is an atwood magazine podcast and a member of the pantheon podcast network be sure to follow us on every platform also please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts it helps us out a ton And if you go into the episode description and scroll to the very bottom, you'll find a link where you can support us directly. Every dollar goes to keeping the lights on and getting supplies to make these delicious drinks. Tunes and Tumblers was produced, as always, by Drew Fransblau. Our theme song is by New New Girlfriend. Our hashtag mood jingle comes to us from Jacob Jeffries and Jesse McGinty. And until next time, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.